my mission today is to inspire faith in us. That's my mission today. And I know we have a lot of guests in the room today, maybe people returning after a long time being away. And as I get into this message today, you may, you may be tempted to think to yourself, oh, is that, is that what this church is? Just a, a faith church. And my answer to you would be yes. We are a high faith church. And there's a reason why we're a high faith church, because God said it, I can trust it. And so here's how we're gonna navigate the message today. I'm gonna take some time and we're gonna unpack um, some scripture, specifically in Hebrews. We're gonna talk about what faith is. And then we're gonna celebrate what God has done here at the well in 2023. And then we're gonna look forward to the future. There's also gonna be a moment where I'm gonna talk personally to each of us as to what it takes to step into 2024. And then we're gonna close by just talking about Jesus. I mean, this whole message is gonna be about Jesus, but that's kind of the, the deal today. If you're a guest today, I do wanna say this as a little bit of a qualifier. You've stepped into an interesting Sunday here at the well. We always take here at the, at the well, the first Sunday of the year to do what we call Vision Sunday. And Vision Sunday is all about uh, looking back and looking forward at the same time. And so I know for some of you, you're guests, and uh, it might be a weird message to be in because we're gonna be talking about some things that's the continue of a, a continuing of a conversation we've been having uh, for the past little while or so. So here's what I would say to you. Sit back, relax, enjoy. Hopefully you see the heart of this church. Um, but for others of you who have been, who've called the well home, uh, you've been looking forward to Vision Sunday. And uh, we're ready to see what, what God, what we're believing God is gonna do in our midst this next year. And uh, so as always, I just wanna encourage you, if there's something good said, feel free to holler back at the preacher, say amen. Uh, let's, let's have some faith in the room today. Is that all right with everybody? Hebrews chapter 12, verses one to two says this, therefore, every shout therefore? therefore. Therefore, the reason that the writer is saying therefore is because he's creating a summation and, and a point now based upon everything he just said in chapter 11. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance, the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on who? Jesus. Keeping our eyes on who? Jesus. Keeping our eyes on who? Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the, God, right hand of the throne of God. Today, as we begin the new year, with what we call Vision Sunday here at the well. I wanna to speak to you from this subject today. It's a leap year. It's a leap year. As we look forward to all that God has and is placing in front of us as a church and how for all of us, faith is the necessary ingredient for stepping out in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, speak to us right now, we need your word. I pray that today by your word, faith would arise in each of us. And God, that we would leave here today ready to tackle everything that you have for us in this new year, whether it be individually as a family and as a church community in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted. Amen. And everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. I recently read a study that was intriguing to me concerning the moving habits of Americans. 
And after reading multiple studies, some from fringe demographic studies and others being from popular media outlets and still others being general population studies, researchers have found that, and now I quote some statistics, 75% of men say they live in the same city that they grew up in. 64% of women say that they live where they grew up. When asked about the reasoning behind these choices, almost half said it was because of comfort and the desire to stay close to family or friends. In a New York Times study, their research found that the average American lives only 18 miles from their mother. It was an interesting, except everyone here in Utah. Um, <laughs> from one study, I quote, do Americans live where they grow up? At 68%, the majority polled answered yes. They live in or near the city where they grew up. People most often stay in the same town to be with their family, while those who move typically move for work. Finally, according to a U.S. Census Bureau study in 2016, and they do not believe that their findings have changed much, although you're going to see an inversion here, they found that 75% of women stayed in their hometowns compared to 68% of men. I share these stats with us, not because I'm doing a message on the moving habits of Americans, just so we're clear about that. I share these stats with us because it is essential to see that there is a natural bent in each of us desiring to stay put. Now, just to be clear, I'm not suggesting that living close to home is bad or wrong or that living close to our mothers is a negative thing. What I am suggesting though, is that all of us may, must pay attention to and realize that in default mode, we tend not to make big shifts or moves in our lives. Because of this proclivity, faith and the actions oriented by faith become increasingly difficult for us to navigate in life. Interestingly enough, the American scientific community and the American psychological community have codified a syndrome that they call failure to launch syndrome. Now, I know many of us have seen the movie with Matthew McConaughey, but this is an actual syndrome described as, and now I quote, one declining independent living and economic self-sufficiency. This syndrome, they say, is rooted in the cultural reality of our day and largely, if not wholly, a lifestyle syndrome. In other words, this is only possible because our modern day advancements, our modern day abilities, our modern ideological positions, they would say that this issue of failure to launch is a modern cultural phenomenon. But here's the problem. I want you to hear this today. The heritage of our faith is to set out. The heritage of our faith is to jettison. It's to act in faith. Come on, somebody. It's to take a leap. Look what the writer of Hebrews tells us earlier in Hebrews 11, 13 through to 15. They write this. These all died in faith, although they had not received the things that they were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have, would have had an opportunity to return. In other words, at some point in time, as a follower of Christ, we will have to leap. Come on, I'm gonna say it right over here for this side because maybe you're with me. As a follower of Christ, come on somebody, we will have to leap. Yeah. 
Come on, the middle section over here. You will, as a follower of Christ, if you call yourself one, there's always gonna be a moment where you will have to leap. Y'all with me today? Come on, this section over here. Y'all ready to take a leap because we are followers of Jesus. Now I know for some of us, you're kicking the tires on faith. You don't know what type of church you stepped into today. Somebody, somebody baited and switched you. They convinced you that Denny's was afterwards, but <laughs> moon's over my hammy. Let's go, somebody. Okay. But as followers of Christ, we will have to take a leap. For us this year, corporately as a church and as individuals, I am declaring that this is a leap year. This is a leap year like no other. And funny enough, it actually is by way of the calendar. I just found that out. Now, just to be clear, I'm not suggesting that we move to another state or location. For some of us, the most significant leap of faith you'll ever make is actually staying put and staying planted. So please don't hear something I'm not saying and get overly, overly literal on the moving issue, but I am suggesting that faith, living a leap year, will include some sort of movement in our lives. That movement may be in inches, it may be in feet, it may include miles, it may mean a move in the way that we think and perceive things, it may be a move in our daily routines and actions, but no matter what it is, to move is faith gone active. And some of us this year need to stir our faith up inside of us and get active in our faith. Some of us need to stand back up. You've been beat down enough and it's time to get back up. Some of us this year need to make some decisions that we've been holding off on. Some of us need to leave some things. Some of us need to include some things. And some of us just need to get back up, stir our faith and put one foot in front of the other. Why? Because it's a leap year. Abraham understood this, as the writer of Hebrews would point out concerning his life in Hebrews 11, 8 through to 10. Watch what the Bible tells us. By faith, ever shall faith. faith. Come on, ever shall faith. faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. Called, obeyed. Called, obeyed. Let's try one more time. Called, obeyed. It's interesting how we love the calling part, <laughs> but we hate the obedience part. What's interesting for, uh, for me as a pastor, I see so many Christians who live in the called part, but never live in the obeyed part. Am I talking to anybody in church today? <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm, be quiet. <laughs> We romanticize the called part, don't we? Oh, God said some things. I don't care what God said. Did you do what he said? God can say all the things, but did we obey? So by faith, everybody shout faith. When he was called, he obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. I love that part. By faith... He stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. Now, before we get practical today in this message, I think it's a vital question to ask, what is faith? Have you ever asked that question before? What is faith? Especially if we're being called to, to leap. 
Well, let's go backwards again. Hebrews chapter 11, verses one to two, probably one of the most popular statements on faith that we find in scripture. It says this, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. I believe that the author and biblical commentator Warren Worsby gives a succinct and accurate description of the faith being talked about here in Hebrews when he writes this, true Bible faith is not blind optimism or manufactured hope so feeling. And some of us have been conditioned, let's pause for some of us. Some of us have been conditioned to believe that faith, biblical faith is just happy feelings in Jesus. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? We've been conditioned to believe that if I have faith, then, then I've got all of these, I've got good vibes and I've got good energy and, and everything's gonna go well. I've got, I've got faith. Gotta have faith, faith, faith. <laughs> but that's actually not biblical faith. Biblical faith is not blind optimism or, or manufactured hope so. Neither is it an intellectual assent to a doctrine. It's certainly not believing in spite of evidence. That would be superstition. True Bible faith, oh, I love this, is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. Why? Because he's already said it. Faith is the ability to take God at his word. Faith is the ability to step out at his word. What did Abraham do? When he was called, spoken to, he obeyed. I'm just wondering if any of us have enough faith this year to give forgiveness to somebody. I wonder if anybody's have enough faith this year to step out and pray like you've never prayed before. I wonder if any of us have some faith this year to actually lift our hands during worship. I'm not talking about half mass. I'm talking about full mass all the way up so that everybody can see all your armpits and all the glory because my hat, come on somebody, my hands are up because he's called me to obey. I wonder if anybody's got some faith to actually get into his word this year, set my mind on his word, set my hope on his word, set my heart on his word, set my feelings on his word, set my identity on his word. Why? Because it takes faith. That's actually what faith is, is being obedient to his word in spite of circumstances and in spite of consequences. So there are two words that are used in Hebrews chapter 11, one to three that aid in our understanding of faith and our response to faith seen in the leap. The two words that we see, the first one is this, substance. Everybody say substance. substance. Now the Greek word that's used here is a word that sounds like this, hypostasis, meaning that which has been placed under something. The writer of Hebrews is saying that faith is the foundation that has been placed underneath the believer and gives the ground needed for standing. So faith is more than a feeling, it's actually a foundation. And a lot of us operate in faith according to a feeling. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And what's interesting is that if you operate as faith as a feeling, faith can change daily. Faith changes whether you got your coffee or not. If faith is a feeling, Red Bull has something to say over your faith. Come on, somebody. 
If faith is a feeling, whether you ate breakfast that morning, it has authority over your faith. But if faith is foundational according to his word, then nothing has authority over my faith. My feelings don't have authority over my faith. My circumstances don't have authority over my faith. The way that I see things doesn't even have authority over my faith. What is authoritative about my faith is that he's already said it so I can trust it and I can build my life on it. Oh, some of you didn't come ready for church today. So that's the first word, substance. The second word is evidence. Every shout evidence. Now this is a two word phrase in Greek where interpreters use our English word evidence to capture the thrust of what's being presented. In the Greek, I'm gonna jack up this, how you say it, but go with me for a second. Pragmatos eligachos, something like that. I'm working really hard, I'm not fluent in Greek, sorry. A great rendering would be this, a pragmatic reality. Where are all my pragmatists in here? All my practical people, show of hands. All my, all my pragmatics, okay. There's more than that in here. You're all just writing right now. Um, have you ever noticed that about church? I get, where are my pragmatists at? They're all writing. They don't lift their hands. Then I'm like, where are all my shapes and colors people? And you're like, here. <laughs> right here. Right? All the shapes and colors people, you amen me. Why? Because you're not writing anything down during this service. You're in it. You're feeling it, right? And the pragmatists, they don't look up at all. And then after service... After service, all the shapes and colors people were like, man, that was such a good message. What did you say in point two? As the practical people were walking out going, <laughs> aren't you glad you write things down? Pragmatic reality. That's what he's saying. One author writes concerning these words, listen to this, I love this. It's something to do with, faith is something to do with an idea of concrete reality something that is critical, of consequence, of great importance, something foundational. It implies a thought or a belief that has been, listen to this, okay, listen to these words, church, cross-examined, questioned, so as to be tested for validity or reality, brought to proof or placed under scrutiny for possible confutation. Faith then, can be seen as a believer's posture based upon what has been tested and seen as accurate. That which has been tested and seen is, as true is God and his word. We can have faith because he's already done it once. It's been tested, he's been tested, and he's been proved to be faithful. He got out of the grave and showed himself faithful. He was there in the beginning showing himself faithful. Come on, church, he'll be there at the end showing himself faithful. And so because it's been tested and because it's been proven, I can stand on it. And each of these words describes an angle or an aspect of faith that when understood supplies us with everything we need to know in order to step out in faith and, and live out the vision that God has for us as a church and as individuals. Now I'm gonna declare something over all of us today in both of our auditoriums and online. We can live a leap year because God has proven himself faithful. 
We can grow this year because God is faithful. We can change this year because God is faithful. We can repair relationships this year because God is faithful. We can forgive this year because God is faithful. We can take another breath this year because God is faithful. We can build that business this year because God is faithful. We can give this year because God is faithful. We can see healing this year because God is faithful. We can see prodigals return home this year because God is faithful. We can worship this year because God is faithful. We can pray this year because God is faithful. We can live in our Bible this year because God is faithful. We can build great friendships this year because God is faithful. We can fight for our families this year because God is faithful. We can strengthen our marriages this year because God is faithful. And we can build the church this year because God is faithful. Come on, someone shout, he's faithful. Oh, come on, let's shout, he's faithful. And so with all that being said, what will it take to live in the leap? I want to take a look at four truths that are essential for us to understand concerning faith to leap. Now, qualifier, this is where I'm going to dig into a couple different things that have to do with some numbers and have to do with some things that happened this year at the well. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to hold two things in tension. I need you to listen to what I'm saying and celebrate as a church. But at the same time, I want you to take this point and I want you to practically apply it to yourself as well. Can we all do that in here? Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready to celebrate some things? All right, so here's the first point that we need to understand. If we're gonna take a leap, faith requires that we recognize what God has done. Faith requires that we recognize what God has done. Psalm 77, 11 through 12 says this. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I'll remember your ancient wonders. I'll reflect on all you've done and meditate on your actions. Faith requires that we remember. This is an essential truth because if we're honest, come on church, how many of you agree with me? We tend to forget more than we remember. I mean, we forget our keys, let alone what God's done. David is writing this Psalm. And what's interesting is that in verse 10, David is talking about forgetting what God has done. He's talking about starting to believe that God has actually changed. So in verse 11, he reminds himself to remember the Lord does not change. He doesn't shift. He's not insecure. He's not unstable. Come on, somebody needs to write this in your notes today. God is not wobbly. Come on, somebody. We know lots of wobbly people. <laughs> but God is not wobbly. He's not, he's not unstable. He doesn't shift or, or vary. And so it's important that if we're gonna act in faith, we're gonna take a leap, we need to remember what God has done. So I wanna take a, a moment to look at some things about 2023 as a church that will hopefully remind us that God is faithful, especially where our church is concerned. I want you to take a look at this. The first thing that we're gonna look at is the growth of our church this year. From 2022 to 2023, our church grew this last year by 40% as a church. to now well over 2,000 people. 
Check this out. First time guests that we had, this is broken down by quarters of last year. In Q1, we had 511 first time guests. In Q2, 504. In Q3, 593. And Q4, October to December, 617 first time guests. As you can tell, a lot of first time guests through, came through here at the church. I love this, check out some more stats. We have online, even probably today, a bit more because of the snow day, but we have a weekly online attendance of 869 people. That's a large church in and of itself. 500 people attended Grow Class this year. We had 114 people baptized. Come on, somebody, let's go. 100 people joined team and 1,500 people said yes to Jesus this year. Come on. Oh, come on, somebody, that's life change that took place this year. So let's talk about our legacy income. We're getting ready to head into our legacy offering season, which is in March. We'll talk more about this over the coming weeks and a little bit in this next point. But this year in our legacy offering, we saw $1,120,342 come in. Come on, the generosity of this church is outstanding. However, this year, we also put out that income <laughs> and uh, to the tune of $1,161,364 uh, legacy funds dispersed. The overage over that last number is because we still had funds from the previous year's legacy offering. Why did so much go out? Well, let's talk about it. The first reason is because we bought a building. That's why. You're so pretty, babe. Um, so 841,000, the way it's broken down, 710,000 plus to the building purchase down payment. And then Auditorium 2 prep uh, and our building purchase uh, prep. Uh, how many of you in Auditorium 2 right now and every single week are thankful for the legacy offering this year to provide that space that you guys are in right now? Next generation, if we go to that next slide, 17,000 plus dollars went to making more space for them, better and safer kids' spaces, and we scholarshiped 28 students for youth camp this year. Come on, somebody, absolutely awesome. With all of the people that said yes to Jesus this year, we spent $27,500 working with, discipling, making sure that our brand new first time people and next steps had everything that they needed to take next steps, which is absolutely awesome. All the stuff that's out there, Bibles, so on and so forth. Here's some really cool stuff as well. Um, local and national outreach this year, we gave away $135,315 uh, to all of these different things for local and national, for everywhere from uh, like Maui disaster relief, local outreach, serve day, church planting through some of the organizations that we work with and general care and things like that to bless people in our community. $135,315 went out. Come on somebody, absolutely amazing. And then to global outreach this year, another $140,100 uh, working with World Combation, Convoy of Hope, uh, A21 fight to end human trafficking, um, and then about $29,000 plus into other places and spaces to take care of things that are happening around the world. What a significant year 2023 was. Hebrews chapter 11, if you go back and read it, it's an entire chapter dedicated to remembrance. 
Let me ask you this question. Do you have an entire chapter of your life dedicated to remembrance? Good or bad. Each of the people that the writer of Hebrews mentions is a person who is used to jog the memory of the recipients of this epistle. And because there's so much to remember, watch what the writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 11, 32 through to 38. He says this, and what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms and administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again. I wanna pause there for a second because that's pretty awesome right there, isn't it? How many of you think that's a pretty, like that's what faith is? That's pretty great. But watch what else he says about faith. By faith, it will continue on. Others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. No one put that on your Christmas card this year. But notice that this hall of fame of faith carries with it the tension of awesome things happening in faith. And at the same time in faith, people had to stand in negative situations. Why? Because faith is required no matter what for life. And I know for some of us, 2023 didn't look the way that we wanted to. But can I just tell you, I ain't got time to tell you about the people who were healed this year in Jesus' name. I got no time to tell you about people who had cancer and now it's gone by God's miraculous power. I don't have time to tell you about the people who share their stories every single week when they head out to that I said yes table and people on our team get to pray with them every single week as they're being set free from addiction and abuse and identity crisis where people who were thought, man, I'm gonna be dead today, but they're still alive by the glory of God. Oh, come on somebody. I ain't got time to tell you about the miracles of 2023, but because I've heard them, I've got some faith for 2024. In the context of Hebrews, the reason that the writer is saying these things is because they were all tempted to go back home. They were tempted to, to go where they'd come from. They were tempted to return to law and legalism and man-made religion. And so the writer of Hebrews says, hey, listen, don't go back. The Lord's better. Come on, everybody look at me today when I say this. Don't go back. The Lord's better. Come on. Come on, some of you need to get this. This is a word for somebody today. Because you thought, man, I'm, I'm, I'm about, I'm a half inch from done. Don't go back. The Lord is better. He's better. You may still have to stand in fire. The Lord's better. You may have to hold open a lion's jaw. The Lord's better. That's what Hebrews is saying for us right there. So the first thing that we need to understand about faith is that it requires us to recognize what God has done. Number two, every shot number two. I love this one. Faith requires that we see what God is about to do. I think that if there's anything that the past few years have done to people, it's caused them to stop seeing what God wants to do and is getting ready to do. Isaiah 43, 19 says this, look, I'm about to do something new. Even now it's coming. Do you not see it? 
The question isn't whether God's moving or not. The question is whether we're seeing or not. Can you see what the Lord is doing? Hebrews 11, 13 through to 15 says this, but they saw them from a distance and greeted them. In other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, listen, you need to understand that if you're gonna live with faith, you've gotta look past some things in order to see what God is getting ready to do. And you've gotta greet it through the eyes of faith. I love how Dr. J. Oswald Sanders says it. He says this, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. So here's what I wanna do this morning. Y'all ready for something really cool? make a really big announcement today via video. I want us to see what we are seeing in the future of our church and what we're getting ready to do in Jesus' mighty name. We're building a new house. In addition to continuing the support of our local, national, and international partnerships, we have an incredibly significant expansion project in front of us this year. Now, I, I know uh, some of us might be thinking like, ah, what, you know, what's the big deal about a building? Well, if you just look across scripture, God has a thing about buildings. Yes. He really does. And with the ever-increasing needs of our community of faith here, known as The Well, uh, we've got to build, as you can see behind me, a much larger building. One that's going to significantly enable us to continue to reach people in the Salt Lake City Valley. Y'all with me today? And so this is a massive, massive project for us. It has a lot of details, and this video is just a snapshot of what is to come. Um, so there's gonna be a couple of phases of this project. I'm gonna talk about the first phase of this project. It's what I'm calling Project Design, Construct, and Occupy, if you so choose to take it. 
This phase of the project is the most urgent and will be the phase that will require our immediate attention as it pertains to this year's legacy offering. With all of our cost estimates and understanding of what it will take to get us to occupancy, please hear me very clearly when I say this, we are looking at a $6 million cost assessment. That means that we will be believing to raise $6 million this year in our 2024 legacy offering. That offering will be taking place on March 3rd of this year. We will begin our legacy series in two weeks. It'll be called Glory to Glory. This is the most significant project we have been involved in to date. As a church, I hope that all of us, starting now, will begin praying and thinking about how you can take a leap this year in our legacy offering. It's gonna require something from all of us and it's gonna require some of us to go very, very big. I am believing this year with faith, come on church, don't get distracted, with faith this year that we are gonna accomplish all that God has in front of us as a community of faith. In addition to the building project, we are gonna continue focusing on formation. So much so that we are this year renaming our table groups to formation groups. And this is so we can bring these groups into a more aligned focus and purpose. All of our series this year, throughout this year, will be specifically designed around this focus. All of our series this year will be long form series, nothing under six weeks except for Easter. Our two longest series, our series beginning after Easter and again in the fall, will be our most in-depth series this year. First, Directly following Easter, we will begin a brand new series entitled Mirror, Mirror, a series dealing with identity. Last year, we did a massive series addressing the soul. This year, we'll be focusing on forming God-centered identities and all that means for our lives. Then in the fall, we will do a deep dive into the book of 1 Corinthians as we navigate through what I believe will be a pretty insane season, both culturally and nationally. Why am I telling you all of this? Is because I want us to see, as your pastor, I am creating a well-rounded diet for our church this year. There's a lot of stuff that we are gonna be exploring through and working through. We're gonna be focusing on this building project. We're gonna be doing all of our, we are gonna do all the things. And here's what I wanna tell you today that we are going to be as a church. Y'all ready for it? This is who we're gonna be as a church. We're gonna be the church that keeps on doing what we've been doing for the past 10 years. That's it. We're gonna keep on doing what it is that we have been doing for the past, come on somebody, decade of ministry now. Fruit is experienced when we simply keep doing the right things over time. I'm gonna invite the team up. Number three, here's the third thing. Now this is where it gets really personal. That's some of the corporate stuff. Now let's just talk personally really fast. about what holds us back, hindrances and and sin, and what do we need to do? Here's the third point. Faith requires we confront what holds us back. Faith requires that we confront what holds us back. Hebrews 12 is going to tell us that there are some things that hold us back from leaping. The two things mentioned, hindrance and sin. The writer of Hebrews says there's two things that hold you back in faith, hindrances and sin. Sin. Hear me when I say this. Everybody look at me and then write this down, okay? Confrontation leads to consecration. Confrontation leads to consecration. We must face our hindrances and our sins and deal with them. 
We can have all the resolutions and all the goals and all the plans and all the desires and all the hopes and the faith, but if we don't deal with the hindrances and the sin, we can never truly leap with faith. And here's the funny thing is that all of us have big goals and big plans, but we don't deal with what's in our hearts. Come on, am I talking to anybody in church today? We don't deal with the things that, that hold us back. The truth is, is that many of us simply leave too many things in our lives. We try to stay away from them. Sure, we try to avoid them. We try to hide them. We try to sequester them to the corner instead of confronting them and getting rid of these things from our lives. And we do this because many of us view confrontation as negative. Can I just tell you today, confrontation is not negative. Can I tell you in all of our series this year as a church, we're gonna confront some things. We're gonna go deep into biblical truths in order to form our identities around who Christ says that we are. We're gonna deep dive into the book of Corinthians so that we as a church can strive for unity in what I believe and know is gonna be a very tumultuous year when it comes to what's happening nationally and politically. <gasps> he said it, yep, he said it, but guess what we're gonna to strive to do? Be the people of Jesus. So we're gonna to have to confront some things. We're gonna to have to look at some things in our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses one to seven. God speaks to the children of Israel and he says, hey, I need you guys to take care of some business, some business. And that business was tearing down what the Bible describes as high places. And the high places in the Bible found within the Old Testament were these places that that they would go to worship foreign gods and they would, they would set up these shrines and they would set up these different things where they would worship foreign gods and the gods of surrounding nations. And, and so the children of Israel had gotten into some trouble with God because they had gone to these high places and would continually worship. And so God says, I don't want you to do that. I need you to take care of these things. I need you to destroy them. And if you read on throughout the Old Testament, especially in First and Second Kings, over and over and over again, a king would come, a king would go. A king would come, and a king would go. And some of those kings would destroy some of them, but some of them were still left. They stayed there in the high place. Till you get to 2 Kings chapter 23, the king by the name of Josiah comes along. And in a moment of righteous faith and anger, he goes through and he tears it all down. He doesn't leave any stone unturned. You might call him a fanatic. You might call him militant, but he didn't leave anything there. Why? I want you to hear this today, church, because exception always leads to rejection of God's best for our lives. Well, accept that. No, no, you gotta get rid of that. But what, what about this? Nope, you gotta get rid of that. For Christmas, Erica bought me this custom box of sour candies, <laughs> specifically sour stripes. How many of you know, have you seen these before on Instagram? If you scroll through, they'll pop up. My feed's littered with just advertisements for sour candy. <laughs> it's, it's weird. If you were to go onto my Instagram, you'd be like, what? what? He likes sour things and cake, apparently. Um, so she gets me this entire box. It was a super heavy box and all the flavors were in there. And I was, I was in heaven. I was like, are you kidding me? But see, here's this other thing that's going on is I'm also working really hard right now on some certain health goals and some th certain things that I'm trying to accomplish physically. So 
Erica, in effect for Christmas, caused me to sin. Um, <laughs> so, so here we are, my, my boy who's sitting over here, he's like, Dad, can you bust out the sour straps? I'm like, nobody, I can't, I can't. We're not eating them tonight, ever. We're not eating them ever. <laughs> so why do I tell you this? Well, do you wanna know where my sour stripes are at right now? This box of sour stripes? Is if you go into our closet, they are tucked away at the top of my closet so that I'm not tempted to get them. But here's the problem. Every time I change, I look up and they're right there saying, eat me. And here's what's interesting is that if you leave something where it's not supposed to be, it will always tempt you and it continues to gain strength. At some point or another, I'm gonna take that box down and I'll call it a cheat day to justify it. Oh, am I talking to anybody in church today? Okay, that's just food. Well, how long are we gonna leave that porn there? Oh, let's get quiet in church today. Just so you know, we talk about the real things around here. How, how long am I gonna leave that little flirting relationship at the corporate offices before it burns me? How long am I gonna keep pushing money out of the side when I know that I should be living with character and integrity and claiming all of it? Oh, can we talk real? How, how long? How long are you gonna leave those drugs up there? See, in order to consecrate ourselves, we have to confront what's in us. And to confront it, we have to remove it. We gotta reach up, get it out of the house, get it out the head, get it out the heart, get it out the soul, get it out the identity. Consecration is about confrontation. It means that I'm looking at something and going, the Lord is better than this. The Lord's better than that relationship. The Lord's better than that addiction. The Lord is better than what you're earning underneath the table. The Lord is better than that quick hit of ecstasy when you look at things you shouldn't be looking at. Come on, somebody. The Lord is better. See, when we leave what should be removed, it will always gain strength in our lives. See, faith for the future always requires that we confront some things, that we confront the hindrances and the sin in our life. And the fourth truth is this, the fourth thing about faith that we need to understand today. Here it is. Everybody shout number four. Oh, everybody shout number four. Faith requires reliance upon Jesus. Hebrews 12, back to the beginning. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that, he lies, that lies before us. Doing what? keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Here's my question to all of us today. 
Do you have your eyes on Jesus going into 2024? What are your eyes on? Are your eyes on politics or are they on Jesus? Your eyes on money or are they on Jesus? Are your eyes on advancement or are they on Jesus? Because none of those things are the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. There's only one who's the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. Come on, somebody, and his name is Jesus. And so I want to invite you, every single one of us this year, both auditoriums and online, I want to invite you to take a leap this year. I want to invite you to leave this building today and decide 2024 is going to be a leap year for me and my house. We are going to serve the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. And come on, the church shouted. Our uh, service pastors are gonna come up in just a minute and they're gonna give us some practical steps as to what it looks like to keep Jesus our primary focus stepping into 2024. But I wanna lead us in a prayer today. So if you would bow your head and close your eyes with me today. I wanna ask that we just stay still for a few more minutes here. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna ask you a question. Have you said yes to Jesus? Have you made him the first in your life. And so what we're gonna do in this moment, before we dismiss, is I wanna pray with you. But I wanna pray a very specific prayer, and it's the prayer that we call the prayer of salvation. There's nothing fancy in these words, but rather the heart from which these words come. So if you'd say, man, today, Jason, I need Jesus. I need him to be leading my journey today. Make this your prayer. I'm gonna ask everybody just to pray it out loud so we don't leave anybody out today. Come on, with all the faith in the room today, would you just repeat this after me? Everybody say, Jesus. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness. In Jesus' mighty name.